Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. I was offered a scholarship in engineering in my first year from a university, but I declined it because I was confused at the time whether everyone expected me to go into engineering or if I really wanted to. This episode of the Women in Tech podcast is a Red Bull Basement University special edition. In this series, you'll hear from both students and mentors of the program. The top thing I got out of Red Bull Basement University is getting to know lots of new people. I gained a lot of experience through these workshops that Red Bull gives us and also makes a lot of friends around the world. And it's just amazing. One word that I would use to describe Red Bull Basement University is exciting. Red Bull Basement University means to me an amazing opportunity and amazing experience. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. here in Toronto, Canada. So excited to be with Red Bull Basement University, surrounded by innovation. And right now we have one of the main innovators in the world. And hello. Hi. So you gave a keynote today. That was fun. It was very exciting. It was really inspiring. Thank you. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, My name is Anne Makasinski. I'm a 22-year-old inventor from British Columbia, Canada. Um, Right now I'm working on a line of children's toys that run off of green energy, Um, but I'm, I guess, known for my hollow flashlight, which is a flashlight that works off the heat of the human hand. And now we are here at Red Bull Basement University, so if you hear music in the background, if you hear people talking, we are in the middle of everything happening. Today is the day where the finalists are being chosen of who wins the big competition. It's very Mm -hmm. exciting, but one thing that you talked about in your speech, about how it's not about who wins, it's about what you do with your time and, and stepping forward. Can you tell us a little bit about your ideologies there? Yeah, I mean, I just... I've kind of had like an inventory mindset, I guess, since I was a kid. Um, My first toy was a box of transistors and other electronic parts. And then from there, I started tinkering and putting together my first inventions with like a hot glue gun and garbage from around the house. 
And then I started doing science fair projects and I did 10 science fairs in my middle school and high school years. And yeah, I've always been interested in taking the resources around me and piecing them together to make something better. And you've gotten a lot of notoriety for being an inventor. Has the notoriety helped you gain resources to create even more? How has that impacted your ability to create? Um, I think it just allows me to be very lucky to have people reach out who want to work with me that I really like and who have a really interesting background. So, for example, the guy that we're going to go with um, for the toys that I'm working on has a really cool toy background and entertainment background, and he just reached out on LinkedIn. So I think that's the biggest thing that's been very helpful for me. And you started when you were a little girl. The way your parents raised you inspired you to start creating. And I see that you've now built uh, toys, like... Would you go the potato head? And how important is it to have games when we're children in order to be more inspired to create later on? Yeah, the line of toys that I'm creating right now are supposed to just, A, firstly encourage kids just to play with their hands instead of a screen, which offers kind of passive entertainment, which isn't very interactive or engaging of your brain, and B, also just to educate and entertain kids on green energy and kind of introduce it in a very natural way when they're very young. And these toys are designed so that even if you don't particularly understand how it works, it's still kind of like a cool thing to play with. And yeah, because we obviously need to learn about alternative energy sources and we need more young kids to start becoming more aware and normalizing green energy, normalizing solar cells, thermal energy, kinetic energy, things like that. And one of the things that your parents also did is they didn't encourage you to have smartphones and that kind of thing growing up. What was that like? Did you notice a difference in yourself between the other kids around? Because here you are totally pursuing the world of creation but without this thing that we kind of identify is creation today, Mm -hmm. which is our phone. So what was that like? What did you notice about your headspace? How did it differ? I think it just offered me less distractions while growing up. And even now, now that I have a smartphone, I do try and lessen my distractions all the time where I'll like throw my phone across the room very dramatically if I want to do work. I mean, it's a tool, but also it can be quite hampering to work that I want to do. But yeah, it was definitely an interesting thing to grow up with like my friends all texting and me not having Wi-Fi anywhere and like not being able to communicate. (laughs) Did you ever miss it? Did you ever feel like I want to be part of it? Yeah, I did, but I'm glad my parents were very strict and defiant and said no. (laughs) So it is something that you thought you wanted, but you couldn't have. Well, of course, because if everyone else had it, why would I not want it, you know? But yeah, I mean, let's be real. I didn't even talk to any boys till grade 12, so I didn't even need a phone the early years of my life. So, (laughs) How would somebody walk in your footsteps today? I mean, how do you even get to the place to um, having the energy of your body to be able to power something to turn on? Like, how do you even learn about that? Where does that even start? I don't know. I mean, the effect that I use called the Seebeck effect has been around since the 1800s. And it's where you take these Peltier tiles and if you heat one side of them and cool the other, a small amount of electricity is produced. So I just thought, why not your hand? heat one side. But did you go to the internet to start learning or was there a book or was there a blog or was there a mentor? Or what was your bridge to gain that information? Yeah, I mean, I don't specifically remember, but in general, my dad was my mentor through all my science fair projects and general electronics interests. I think we had like a picture in the house of this old Russian Soviet lamp that had Peltier tiles in it that I was curious about. And in general, all my science fair projects were in the area of alternative energy harvesting. So I think it was just naturally that I became interested in Peltier tiles. And now you're giving keynotes around the world. You've probably given so many. Like, <laughs> Actually, I was, in, yeah, I was in Dubai last 
weekend giving a panel talk um, and it was kind of fun but yeah I travel a lot to speak what is that like are you not afraid or how do you do that like how do you put yourself on stage around the world with confidence because I enjoy performing I, I think I, I love being on stage I'm an only child I want attention at all times <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of speech lessons when I was a kid for enunciation and performance. I did a lot of plays. I'm taking acting lessons right now. I want to do acting. So I think it's just a natural thing for me. And in science fair, you're kind of trained to present your project to an old person who's an expert in the field or a very young child who comes along and it's just during public viewing. So kind of speaking just came very naturally for me. I love doing it. I mean, I do get a lot of social anxiety as of the past year, but on stage, it all goes away, which I'm very lucky. I don't get stage fright, knock on wood. <laughs> But I really, I just, I enjoy it, honestly. But I do not want to be a public speaker for the rest of my life because there are people who literally go to conferences and speak and that's all they do. That's their life, yeah. It's it's a nice life, but you're not doing anything outside. If you're not doing anything outside of these conferences, that's where I would draw the line. So for me, I try and keep a balance of speaking, but also when I'm not speaking, I'm at school or I'm working on inventions. I think it's interesting how brave you are to live life on your own terms. Like uh, you were mentioning in your keynote that you're taking a year off to... Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I've been going to university for the past four years for an English literature degree. Not useless. Wait, I'm surprised (laughs) it's not in science. I was offered a scholarship in engineering in my first year of uni from a university, but I declined it because I was confused at the time whether everyone expected me to go into engineering or if I really wanted to. Mm. And I discovered I've always wanted a balance of science and arts in my life. And I've always been so passionate about film and filmmaking and directing, writing, acting. So I was like, I'm not going to stop doing that just because I got some like attention for doing my inventions. like right. I want to do both in my life. I want to create things, whether it's in the arts or sciences. Right. So my degree was in English literature, so I could learn about storytelling for film, and I had an amazing time. It was great. I didn't finish it just yet, but I'm almost there. Uh, but this year, I decided to take the year off. Speaking and traveling so much, working with brands, and going to school is very hard to manage for four years. You get a little burnt out. So I took this year off. I'm taking acting lessons at HB Studios in New York, and I love it. It's been amazing. You know what's funny is I graduated with a creative writing degree as well. Oh, that's so cool. And I feel that a creative writing or any kind of writing degree or or literature, it's like the best business education. Because what do you need to know in business? You need to understand people. You need to understand storytelling. You need to understand how to communicate. And you don't think of those degrees as useful, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, we always have thought of art as a hobby and science as the career, you know, especially coming from parents that came from like World War II or like a, like a developing country it's difficult for them to be like our child who we paid education for is going taking English literature degree and now when I say like oh I'm taking acting lessons it's like oh acting lessons yeah how is that you know because like but I found acting to be extremely therapeutic and has really opened me up and put me in situations that I've been so vulnerable and so embarrassed and so uncomfortable in that it's been such a great growing experience. I think everyone should do acting lessons at some point in their lives. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And you yeah. mentioned in your talk that if Red Bull a Basement University existed and you knew about it when you were learning how to 
you know, be who you are today, you would have loved to be part of a program like that. What did you access? Were there any programs or resources beyond your dad and your family that um, helped you accelerate forward? After I graduated grade 12, I went to this conference called Next Gen Summit. It was a conference, it was its very first year back in 2015, and it was all for young entrepreneurs that were my age, like 17, 18, and I made so many close friends there that are all fantastic and so inspiring entrepreneurs, and we kind of have this very tight-knit community of friends that maybe I see them once a year, but or we talk occasionally, but like they feel very close to me. I just went with some to Dubai. And um, I think that really helped kickstart the kind of the more entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I think my manager, honestly, is like a huge source of inspiration and like creative input and encouragement for me. And I've learned so much about the business and the entertainment industry through her. So, yeah. I mean, a couple questions. Who is your manager? Like, how did you pick your manager? So many people as they're growing in their careers have different people who become their team. How do we know that person's the right person for us. Yeah, I, I keep discovering more and more that I'm very lucky to have a manager when I keep talking to people, but I just got really lucky. And I, I hate to say that because I say that for so many things that have happened in my life, but I have like no explanation sometimes. But yeah, she just reached out to me when I was in grade 11 after the Google Science Fair. And we started talking like once every few months and then grade 12 it was like once a month and then first year university was like every day. Yeah. Uh, but in a good way. And she started negotiating and like handling all my business stuff and all my speaking engagements and brand deals. And she's been working, she first used to manage NFL players back in the day when she was starting in college. And then she started managing entertainment and models and musicians and actors. And now she only manages me. So I'm very, oh, very, wow. very lucky. That is um, really lucky. Yeah. And she runs something called the AAT Foundation and we kind of have this roster of really talented young people in science and entrepreneurship and she helps all of them out and it's yeah it's really cool that's so cool yeah how can people connect with you further instagram or twitter at ann makasinski my full name a-n-n-m-a-k-o-s-i-n-s-k-i um, I have a Facebook page, I think, LinkedIn. And yeah. you, you gave you know. a rad TED talk. Was that scary? Like a TEDx talk? Was that? I've given five. You've given five? <laughs> That's not a no, um, they're all, I personally don't like any of them. We, okay, I, mean, I thought it was I really cool. I can't watch any of my talks. The most thing that I was most excited about for my main TEDx talk was that I took my heels off on stage midway, and then they, like, cut it out. I was so sad. I uh, saw that. Yeah, but um, I don't know why I wore heels, because I never wear, I can't wear heels. Like, I'm, this is the most heel, this chunky boot that I'll do. But it was fun. I mean... TEDx has like they have usually coaches and they like help you like shape your talk and like make it like so it's a positive message right and so some really amazing talks come out of TEDx or TED events I think looking back now I wish I could redo it and I feel like I could give a much more competent cohesive talk uh, but a lot of people seem to like it so yeah it was a fun experience if you could have anything a year from now and like and you could look back and all of that stuff came true yeah where would you like to be a year like what's your wish list I want a nice studio apartment in NYC <laughs> that I haven't looked like for five months for <laughs> and I want to have my toys signed for a couple deals for a couple different toy companies I want to have like at least one TV deal signed for some of my ideas that I've been pitching I hopefully have started acting at some point. I hope I keep on inventing and have like a team of really cool young people that I can give ideas to and develop together. Did you feel when you were a little girl and you pictured yourself as a grown-up, did you see this happening? Or has everything that's happened to you kind of just been this journey that you're continuously experiencing as it happens? It's all as it happens. I mean, I really, I don't even 
even know what I thought I would do. I really, really was set on being a film director since I was very little. Film director or inventor, those are my two main things. I still definitely wanted to direct films at some point in my life, but I did not expect to be speaking all over the world and getting to travel all over the world, meet such cool people, inspiring people in my life is like a dream because usually like people my age go like backpacking to Europe for the summer and like find themselves and I'm like I found myself when I was like in grade 12 and traveling alone <laughs> uh, so yeah it's it's been a really I'm so I'm so incredibly lucky and blessed and I'm very grateful so three last questions one what's one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it a uh, huge obstacle I had I mean I have many um, in January 2017 I caught something called encephalitis which is inflammation of the cerebellum so the whole right side of my brain started inflaming what? I don't know why I caught some sort of virus that was going around and so I had no medication they couldn't give me any medication antibiotics for it because there was no bacteria in my spinal tap so I was like bedridden for three or four months just lying down and then like learning how to walk and like use my right side of my body again and you wearing That's an eye patch. crazy. Yeah it was great I'd take that semester off from school and I still get kind of tired. That's like the main thing from it, but that's also because I'm out of shape. So There's and and you're better now. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky to be better now. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I could get into that for a while, but well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know I know that we have to wrap up and see who wins the finals. So the last two questions: best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best piece of advice I've ever gotten: um, stop worrying about what other people are thinking about you, because at the end of the day, people are so concerned about how they're coming across that they're not judging as much as y'all think they are. It's Tyler Oakley from YouTube. I watched that video back when I was like in grade 10 or 11 and like I felt like my whole world had opened up after I heard that quote because I was always so scared of being judged by people or like, oh, I don't look cool. I don't dress well. And like now I don't care at all. So <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And very last question. What is your favorite tech tool, mobile app, hardware, software, website? My soldering iron, of course. Take apart circuits. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything you wanted to say that you didn't say? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Say hello on social, at Women in Tech Show, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Ann Makasinski. I'm a 22-year-old inventor and CEO of Macrotronics Enterprises. I'm based in New York, and you're listening to the Women in Tech podcast. If you, too, want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Music.
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.